Welcome to The Road to Rural Prosperity, featuring stories about rural Oklahoma and rural America. Guiding us on the journey today is our host, Ron Hayes. Thank you, Billy, and welcome to another edition of The Road to Rural Prosperity. Our special guest today is the Executive Vice President of the Oklahoma Cattlemen's Association, Michael Kelsey. Michael's a native Oklahoman, but he has gone beyond our borders to gain valuable experience for our cattle industry, the number one agricultural enterprise in our state. We want to talk with Michael about these crazy times we're living in right now in regards to uh, market volatility for the cattle business. But we also want to talk about some of the other things that he's been involved with down through the years as the top hired hand of the OCA. Today's journey along the road to rural prosperity is being powered by PSO, Public Service Company of Oklahoma. They're proud to be a part of the future of energy for our state. And we're back with Michael Kelsey on today's Road to Rural Prosperity in just a few moments. PSO provides electricity service to more than half a million customers across Oklahoma. Increasing reliance on natural gas and renewable energy is our future. Cleaner, more affordable energy to power our lives. A strong Oklahoma economy boosted by new jobs, increased revenues for rural communities and schools. Together, our energy is boundless. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association. They've been representing water and wastewater systems across Oklahoma since 1970. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association was formed to enhance the quality of life in rural Oklahoma through the development and delivery of services and programs for the benefit of ORWA members and the rural people they serve. Howdy neighbors and welcome to the Road to Rural Prosperity. We're glad to be along with you today. And along the road, we've uh, we've had the chance to stop and visit with uh, with Michael Kelsey, Executive Vice President of the Oklahoma Cattlemen's Association. Michael, th- thank you for being with us today. You bet. Thank you. And and let me start by saying I so appreciate what you're doing uh, here. This is this has been a lot of fun and really enjoyable and quite uh, uh, a learning opportunity. Uh, so I appreciate what you're doing with this uh, with this uh, program. You bet. Well, we're we're trying to obviously uh, just have some conversations with folks and Mm -hmm. I I thought we might start we are living in a strange strange time Michael yeah it it unprecedented I you know I was talking to my parents the other day and said you know do you remember and they can't remember Mm -hmm. and then they even went and said you know I don't I don't have any living grandparents anymore but uh they said they don't even remember talking the the best closest might be World War II and Mm -hmm. you know some of those types but even then you know it's just different because we're not at war in that sense Mm -hmm. and 9-11 was certainly unprecedented but again we're not battling uh with guns and, and tanks and missiles, if you will. Mm-hmm. But still, this is just a, a, a an unprecedented time. We, um, how do we respond? What do we do? It's a good question. Yeah, I guess what you know, you can go back to the Great Depression and yeah. bread lines and and all that, all the things that were going on there. You bet. Uh, I, I know that uh, you know they they had incredible challenges, but mm-hmm. it seems like uh, the the fabric of uh, of America right now being pulled pulled pretty hard. It, it really is, and it and.
can't, you know, and, and in an election year just kind of adds to the insanity, if you will, because mm-hmm. then the politics enter this. And, and that's unfortunate because we really need to not politicize what's going on right now uh, from a health standpoint, for sure. But even markets and and just everyday life, uh, let's, you know, agriculture is known for our common sense rural values of helping each other, being uh, uh, mindful of each other, being mindful of our surroundings. Uh, and, and we were the original stewards of the environment, all those types of things that are really kind of fundamental to us. And boy, don't you just wish America would draw back to that, quite frankly, the globe would draw back to that fundamental mm-hmm. neighborly values. Boy, that would probably go a long way right now. Yeah, you bet. Well, yeah. I guess we're going to get a chance to maybe uh, <laughs> uh, uh, kind of hunker down a little bit more before it's all said and done. That that seems like where we're going in the days to come. I agree with you. Let's back up a little bit. Uh, Mm -hmm. Talk about uh, talk about Michael, if we might, for a moment. Uh, You're 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 a native Oklahoman. Mm -hmm. I am. I grew up in Rush Springs, Oklahoma. I uh, graduated from Rush Springs High School a long time ago, uh, if you will, and, and you kind of <laughs> uh, watermelons hauled a lot of watermelons when I was growing up, and and uh, gosh, the watermelon capital of the world. Uh, we had a commercial, primarily commercial operation there. I was involved in the registered Hereford business. I uh, went up through the Junior Hereford Association, and and both on the state and the national level, and had great leadership uh, opportunities there. Um, when I graduated from Rush, uh, I had an opportunity to go up to NEO. A&M College and Judge, uh, and and look back on that experience as one that was absolutely invaluable. And uh, the, the you know the the teaching opportunities to go into a class setting, a class of livestock, and make a decision on how they're placed, and then defend that to, through a set of reasons. You know those those skills are are just I use them in my lobbying today mm-hmm. as as on behalf of the Oklahoma Cattlemen's Association. You make a decision, then you defend it, and so. Uh, then had an opportunity to transfer to Oklahoma State University. Now, interestingly, uh, Ron, when I transferred to OSU, uh, Gerald Callahan uh, was was coaching uh, at okay. OSU. Mm-hmm. And when I transferred is the year he came, left o- OSU and came to OCA as the executive vice president. And so I missed uh, being able to judge under Gerald because of, of him moving. But but now I'm, you know, in the <laughs> position that he had. And, and, and I've had an opportunity to talk to him from time to time mm-hmm. and seek his counsel and and uh, you know how did you handle this if you will what mm-hmm. did you do and that has been so valuable I appreciate him letting me pick his brain from time to time but uh, after OSU um, graduated went to Texas in the extension service and in a county or two down there and then had an opportunity to go to South Carolina and and uh, for Clemson University uh, and then that's where I began my work in association and had an opportunity to work for the South Carolina Cattlemen's Association uh, for a couple of years and then come back to the Oklahoma Beef Council the checkoff side right uh, and was there for about four and a half years or so and then because of connecting because I bought a Hereford heifer from Homer Buell at Shovel Dot Ranch, in, which is in the middle of Nebraska, when I was a sophomore in high school, he <laughs> called me and said, Michael, our exec position at the Nebraska Cattlemen is open. Would you be interested in applying? Uh, and we went through that process and were blessed to be hired for and went to work for Nebraska Cattlemen for eight, about eight and a half years and just really enjoyed that. And they were super good mm-hmm. to us up there. And then 
we had an opportunity to come back to to OCA here back in 2013 and and have just been blessed uh, to do OCA such a strong organization and and has the fundamental uh, grassroots background if you will that hopefully we've been able to build on that and and continue the success and grow that uh, since we've been here so you, you've had a chance obviously to uh, uh, be in a native Oklahoma but you've left the state for several years yeah. uh, actually twice I guess yeah and and so you've had a chance to see the cattle industry and and agriculture, kind of the uh, the uh, more of a national scope, and it brought that back home. It, it really, yeah, I have. And and what that has taught me is is that agriculture is is more than just uh, farm and ranch, but it's also more than just consumers. You know, our perspective sometimes is is well, consumers don't know where their food comes from, and there's a lot of truth to that because they mm-hmm. don't. Yeah. We're seeing that right now uh, with with empty grocery stores. Who would have ever thought we'd have seen that in the United States, by the way? Uh, But nonetheless, consumers don't know that where their food comes from. As well, quite frankly, we've kind of isolated ourselves from consumers to know what they want and and what – and now we're doing a better job of that these mm-hmm. days and, and work through a lot of different uh, entities and strategies and so forth. But one thing that taught me as I've moved around is to pay attention to the fact that agriculture is is truly from farm to plate or, you know, farm to fork, however you want to say it. And, and, and we've got to keep that in mind as we work through uh, issues, even issues right now, that mm-hmm. how can the, the industry, how how can agriculture respond to the challenges that we have and the consumer demands and and so forth and it's better to work together collectively than it is to try to isolate ourselves whether we're talking about the beef industry isolate ourselves in a certain production side or supply side of the chain if you will uh, as well as agriculture as a whole um, whether it be livestock and crop we're all in this together and it's much better if we work together and be mindful of each other in in working together to meet the consumer's demands than it would be to isolate ourselves and and so forth. That that's what that has taught me, and I think that's valuable and will be even more important as we continue forward. Yeah. Now you know you uh, uh, stayed kind of the middle part of the country for a lot a lot of your yeah. career, but you went back for a while in the southeastern part of the United yeah. States. That 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 had to be a little bit of a an eye opener for for a native Oklahoman. It was, and and and. Quite frankly, you know, I, I married above myself, and I'm not ashamed to admit that at all. My beautiful wife's from North Carolina, and so and she grew up in the beef industry. And I'd always heard about the beef industry in the southeast, and and so forth. You know, and you hear things about uh, uh, how their cattle aren't as good, and so forth. You know, <laughs> and that, and and so I wanted to go see it. Quite frankly, and also had an opportunity for an education at Clemson University. But but I will tell you what I learned is 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 our brothers and sisters in the beef cattle industry in the southeast are just committed to a safe and whole some product as we are Mm -hmm. that may look a little different because their forage systems are a little different uh quite quite a bit different actually their their temperature their rainfall all those types of things are different so they they raise cattle differently but they are just as committed to uh to the beef industry and a safe product as we are and so and then but quite frankly ron as you mentioned earlier i had an opportunity to see other agriculture uh while i was there in south carolina there's a a lot of row crop smaller row crop than what Mm -hmm. we have here plus Mm -hmm. other crops that we don't have anything of tobacco 
you know, and some of those types of things. Yeah. There's even a little bit of rice. Uh, you know, some of those types of things, again, that just helped me kind of broaden my thinking regarding agriculture and hopefully has benefited me as I've uh, tried to bring those experiences and, and so forth to, to OCA now. Right. You know, the, the other thing I think that kind of sticks out in, in your in your uh, kind of your resume, mm-hmm. uh, the fact that you have worked on the checkoff side as well as on the policy side, that is very, you know, anybody from the outside looking in that's listening to us today, they they really don't have any clue about that. There's a lot of cattle producers that still have a real hard time of separating what you mean when you start talking policy versus checkoff, a, a lot, and 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 that's kind of the a, a default of the system, if you will. But at mm-hmm. the same time, it's necessary. We don't want the checkoff lobbying. Uh, that's not what the checkoff's intended purposes are. So mm-hmm. it it can't be used to go to the state or the federal capital and and lobby for mm-hmm. the beef industry as a whole. It's meant to build consumer demand, and it's doing a great job of that. I know it's hard to test it because we don't have a a model of of the beef industry without the checkoff to compare it to, but I just shudder to think about what our industry would look like if we hadn't had the positive promotions, those that we can see as consumers as well as producers, but those that we can't see as well, the work that they've done with uh, dietitians and influencers. Uh, nutrition influencers and so forth is just fundamental and so I have had a, a unique opportunity to see both sides of that and 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 have enjoyed that right we're talking today with uh, Michael Kelsey executive vice president of the uh, of the Oklahoma Cattlemen's Association and Michael we're going to take a pause we're going to put some some uh, sanitizer on here for a moment <laughs> you bet. and we'll folks to do that and we will be back uh, along the road to rural prosperity in just a few moments PSO provides electricity service to more than half a million customers across Oklahoma. Increasing reliance on natural gas and renewable energy is our future. Cleaner, more affordable energy to power our lives. A strong Oklahoma economy boosted by new jobs, increased revenues for rural communities and schools. Together, our energy is boundless. With communities from border to border, Bank First lenders understand the needs of today's agricultural market. Whether you need to purchase land, equipment, or livestock, or maybe need an operating line of credit, call on Bank First. They are a certified lender with the Farm Service Agency and can help with specialized financing when other banks can't. Bank First is proud to serve the needs of the Sooner State's agricultural market. Bank First is loyal to Oklahoma and you. Member FDIC, loan subject to approved credit. Thank you for being along with us today on the road to rural prosperity. I'm Ron Hayes, and uh, very happy to have along with us today Michael Kelsey of the Oklahoma Cattlemen's Association. Michael, uh, I, I thought we might divert a little bit before we t- uh, head to the Capitol, and mm-hmm. and uh, they won't let us in today, I know, right now. At this, <laughs> right. this exact moment as we're recording this, but... I thought we might uh, let you tell a daddy story. Tell, oh man! Tell us about the national anthem. Oh wow! You know it, you, you, and you may cause me to tear up here a little <laughs> bit, and I apologize if I do. But uh, Tanya and I have been so blessed with four beautiful children. We have mm-hmm. uh, I, I kind of, uh, in a funny way, in the cattle business, you know, we have two bulls, two heifers, two boys, and two girls <laughs> at uh, at the house. And and our two sons have graduated uh, from high school, and one's about to graduate from college, and both have enlisted in the U.S. Army. 
Army One. Joshua will go in active duty when he graduates from ROTC, mm. and then Caleb uh, enlisted and has gone through his basic training in his AIT. And and then our two girls, Anna and Chloe, are just as talented as. Of course, I'm very partial. I admit that up front, as is as any daddy should. But Anna has just been blessed with a beautiful voice, mm-hmm. and she has chosen to try to use that. Uh, to uh, to glorify God, but more, uh, but as well to also to glorify our country, mm-hmm. and she loves to sing the anthem, just loves to do it, and it has a lot of personal meaning with with Joshua and Caleb in in their service to our country. But right. she was really blessed to be selected as a finalist for NCBA's national anthem contest, and then through the voting process uh, was selected to be uh, the one who sang it. And so we had an opportunity this past February to go down to San Antonio and. She was able to sing the anthem twice in front of the NCBA convention. You know, a lot, uh, cattle producers, men right. and women, who I just don't know that you could find a more patriotic group in our country. And yes, I'm biased, but I also know <laughs> that, you know, it, rural America mm. contributes more per capita, more of our sons and daughters to the military than any other segment of the country on a per capita basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so patriotism is incredibly important to us. And, mm-hmm. and we may have differences of opinion on policy and so forth. But one thing that does unite us all is we're proud to be in this country and we, we feel very blessed to do so. And so for Anna to be able to sing that anthem was, it just, it still gives me chills when I hear her sing. She she had an opportunity to sing it at OIE a, a, a little bit ago and she's got some other things lined up to sing it. And and it's just, I just love to hear her. Of course, again, I'm very biased, but, uh, but uh, oh, she, she did good. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank she you. Did. She, it, and it does. It has very special meaning to us for many reasons, but to know that Joshua and Caleb are serving as well, then, then that's really special for us. So we're, Tanya and I are just very blessed and, and very fortunate. Mm-hmm. Well, if you have a chance to hear Anna sing the, the national anthem, you will be in for a treat for thank sure. Thank you. So. Thank you. You bet. Let's talk about uh, one, one of your hats at the Oklahoma Cattlemen's Association has been uh, there have been their lead lobbyist. Yeah. Uh, you've got a lot of great producers that are volunteers that come up and help you uh, uh, try to impress upon lawmakers the importance of your uh, your positions, your policy positions. But you've been kind of that lead point person the last several years now at OCA. Um, again, we're in some very uncharted territory as far as the 2020 session of the state <laughs> legislature. Yeah. Uh, it we, we we this has been a great session for us up to this point we've uh, we've got one bill across the the finish line onto the governor's desk that dealt with groundwater rights we had several other very positive pro business cattle business bills that were progressing along very very well one dealt with uh, labeling regarding plant-based uh, cell-based type uh, alternative proteins. Uh, we had some tax issues, that ad valorem issues that we'd worked on. Uh, there were some transportation issues that uh, were very positive. I mean, just a host of things that were really pretty good while screeching halt, uh, obviously because of uh, the COVID-19 issue. And the, the as we speak right now, the cattle, uh, the capital's Closed. I mean, they're not even doing construction uh, on the Capitol. And so we don't know for sure what the legislative session will, will end up. Uh, they have a hard deadline on May 29th. Uh, constitutionally, they must uh, adjourn by then. They can go to special session, but special mm-hmm. sessions are very strict in terms of what they can address and won't be general policy. So, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, you know, we hope that we're able to get some of these things across the finish line, but that'll be... Uh, that'll be remain to be seen. But in the meantime, and, and even in light of not having this type of situation, our goals 
OCA, our goals at the Capitol is to make sure that the cattle industry on a daily basis is represented uh, at the Capitol. Uh, we want those legislators up there, those elected officials, to not have to go very far at all, if you will, to be able to reach the cattle industry to either if they have a question, a comment, they need information, whatever it is. And so Taylor uh, Shackelford, my colleague uh, over at OCA, he and I both lobby, but we're up there on a daily basis. And we wear our hats and we do that because number one, it's kind of Western to do that as part of the Western outfit, but we want to be uh, visible. We want to be seen and, and, and have folks know that the Oklahoma cattle business is represented at the Capitol on a daily mm -hmm. basis. Mm -hmm. And so very, very important. We, we stay close to issues that are cattle. We don't get very far off the ranch and we sure don't get very far from the cow as my good friend Gerald used to, has impressed upon me. Uh, but at the same time, if it deals, we, we try to be involved in the conversation. We try to be at the table, if you will, to make sure that uh, cattle producers are represented. Uh, it's a joy to do that. I know that uh, one of the good things that we've noticed and uh, being able to observe uh, all of agriculture is the fact that uh, uh, OCA and some of our other ag organizations, uh, for the most part down through the years, have had a really good working relationship together mm -hmm. to try to represent uh, rural rural Oklahoma. Yeah, that, Ron, I couldn't agree with you more. And I would tell you right now, uh, here we are in 2020, uh, right now, I would say, and I like to affectionately call us the barnyard, if you will, and, you know, and kind of a, a group term encompassing, but we are more in lockstep unity right now than, than I've certainly been involved in. And some folks who, who have more tenure than me have even said that's the most they've seen in their tenure within agriculture. And, and that doesn't mean we necessarily totally agree on every issue, mm -hmm. but we're all working together in, in lockstep unison to move Oklahoma agriculture forward, whether it be protecting it, promoting it, uh, or, or just advocating for it. And, and in, you know, so if you think about the Farm Bureau, AFR, cotton, uh, feed and grain, the co-op council, uh, poultry, pork, we're all working together. And I, I've missed a few and I apologize, but we're all working together for the good of Oklahoma agriculture. Even when we have disagreements, we come together and talk about, okay, is there common ground? And if there is, let's go after that. Let's let's do that together, and uh, and if there's if there's not, then mm -hmm. okay. Well, how do we work this so that agriculture continues to move forward? It, it's really enjoyable to work in that environment right now with as much unity as what we have. Right. Let, let, let's talk maybe about a few cattle issues as we yep. kind of get toward uh, toward the finish line here mm -hmm. today on this mm -hmm. on this particular uh, episode of our Road to Rural Prosperity uh, podcast. Um, I know that, you know, as you kind of maybe reflect back on your, your various uh, mm -hmm. stops within the cattle industry, especially, you know, first South Carolina, then Oklahoma, the, the uh, council, mm -hmm. uh, the checkoff side, then Nebraska, uh, then back here to Oklahoma. Uh, it seems like we've really kind of had an evolution within the or the, the, the attitudes of the cattle industries really kind of uh, uh, gradually changed toward trying to be more consumer focused, mm -hmm. consumer focused. Facing, I think, is one of the terms I've heard more and more mm -hmm. uh, to try to understand where that consumer is today and what they really want uh, when it comes to uh, to our beef producers and, and making sure that uh, we can deliver on that great eating experience for them every time and uh, in, in a way that uh, they, they they approve of. I, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, back in the when I was growing up in the beef cattle industry. 
uh, in the 80s is when we kind of started to pay attention to the consumer. Before that, we just kind of produced beef and said, mm-hmm. here, eat it, yeah. if you will. And then the, the, no, the no fat craze hit. And we all remember that. Those of us who are old enough, you, boy, you just, everything was labeled no fat, whether it had fat in it to begin with or not, you know, that mm-hmm. was popular to put that on that label. So we bred cattle that were, you know, just incredibly lean and went, probably swung the pendulum too far mm-hmm. that way. Yeah. And then started to recognize, no, the consumer wants uh, not only a healthy eating experience, but an enjoyable eating experience. And, and we kind of brag a bit and, and we, I hope we steward this rather than brag on it, but we've kind of got the corner of on the market, if you will, of the best tasting protein. Yes, I'm biased, but uh, steaks and, and beef are well known for being pleasurable to eat as well as nutritious. And so continuing to listen to the consumer, what they want and how they want it is, is fundamental. Now what we're seeing is not only the healthy, enjoyable side, but also the S word, sustainability. And We've tried to approach that word as from, and that concept is let's not fear it, uh, but let's drive it. Let's make sure the consumer knows what true sustainability is, if you will. Uh, and that means we have to make a profit. We're, we're in the food business, but we have to be profitable at this. Otherwise, we're not going to be in business, if you will. Mm-hmm. But we're also the original steward to the environment. And we're continually trying to improve ourselves and that learn new management processes and apply them and so forth. We need to tell the consumer that because that's what they want to know. And so we're trying to do that. And so, you know, that effort has been very, very fundamental. My good friend, J.D. Alexander, who is the NCBA president for a Uh, several years ago said, you know, uh, you're either at the table uh, or you're on the menu. And what he meant by that was is is we're either at the table driving, helping drive the conversation on what's ordered or you're fixing to get eaten, if you will, uh, Mm -hmm. and eaten alive. And so and we don't want that. And so that's why we choose to engage in this, because, as you mentioned, Ron, the consumer wants to know and it's important that we tell them. I guess what there's a, some some kind of phraseology that we're hearing a lot more of these days. You mentioned sustainability, but mm-hmm. uh, also this concept of, of advocating yeah. uh, the position. In other words, it, it seems like that for a lot of years, the uh, uh, typical cattle producer said, leave me alone. Let yeah. me produce my cattle. <laughs> I'm doing a good job, and yeah. uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to take them to market, and that's all I'm going to worry about. Yeah, that's right, and, and we just can't do that anymore. Now, we do have to balance the private property, my business, uh, I want to market my cattle as I see fit, and we'll go to the mat to defend that. Let me, let me be very clear on that. But we've also, as we've talked, the consumer wants to know more. And that's fair. That's absolutely fair. So rather than let someone who has no manure on their shoes, never mind the fact that they don't ever wear boots, tell our story, we need to tell our story. And so that's what our efforts are. And that means we need to, to film, if you, I film video, what we do by, through social media yeah, and so forth. That's right. right. Yeah, we Pick up one of those iPhones. That's, that's right. right. Pick up your iPhone. And, and we've got a lot of folks that are doing a great job of advocating mm-hmm. on their social media pages and so forth. And I know there's a lot of times we kind of roll our eyes at that and we go, oh, good grief. 
but it's really important. It's very, very important. And, and what we're even seeing right now in the case where we're at uh, in, in terms of social distancing, Ron, if, if a business, if an industry has a good social presence, media presence is what I'm talking about, internet presence, they're going to weather this much more than an industry that doesn't. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully we've done a good job in the beef industry and we need to continue doing a good job of, of virtual tours, of, of, of sharing our story with consumers so that they can have confidence uh, in, in, our, in purchasing our product. And I'll, I'll say anecdotal, this is anecdotal, I know it is, but it's been fun to me, Ron, to see pictures of grocery stores where they walk <laughs> into the meat case and it's empty except for the plant-based product. There's still plenty of the plant-based product, but the real beef is all gone. Mm-hmm. It's sold out. Yeah. I think there's a story there. I think there's a consumer confidence in our product there that says, I want some real stuff. We need to continue to build on that as we move forward. Right. And I guess you know, maybe kind of winding things down, you know, looking at the, you know, outward. And uh, obviously, we've got a tough time right now. Right. The economics of the cattle industry are just horrible right now yeah, as, as we speak. And, and I know that you you feel that pain, and you've, you've got a lot of folks that are probably sharing that with you. But you down the road, you know, how do, how do we make sure that the cattle industry, the, that individual rancher, his family, how, how, do, we, how do we make sure they survive? Uh, that's a great question. And, and it's a lot individual, but also collectively, I think we have to – explore what assets we have that we can market. You know, for years we've just been beef. And that's our that's the center of our plate, if you will. But there's other things we can offer to consumers, not only uh, now we need to take care of that center of the plate, that beef and produce beef as best and, and as efficiently and as economically as we can. And that's probably not going to look anything like what granddad did, if you will. But I think we also have to look at other opportunities. How do I leverage my groundwater rights to be beneficial? How do I leverage the li- the wildlife that I have on my ranch? How do I leverage the picturesque opportunities on my ranch for folks you know those are and some of that kind of sounds crazy but boy howdy there's a lot of folks who are taking advantage of that and they're adding revenue income streams to their agriculture operation and and getting into the business or sustaining their business if you will i think we have to ask those types of questions and then as we think about the immense amount of capital that's going to generationally transfer over the next 20 years in our business you know we talk about the average age of the rancher Mm -hmm. um that's going to come to town, if you will. And those assets, land and so forth, are going to be transferred to the next generation. And we're already seeing that. How do we make sure that's done in an efficient manner so that this new generation can come into the business and raise their families, raising beef and feeding not only themselves and not only our country, but the world? I think there's great opportunity there. I'm excited about that future. Uh, and that's some of the things we're working on at OCA to, to build upon that optimism. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be challenging and it's going to be tough. And I think we're in an example of that right now in the situation we're in. Right. And, you know, this this whole uh, you know series of episodes of the, the Road to Rural Prosperity mm-hmm. kind of uh, predicated on the idea that uh, our governor challenged uh, the state to be top 10. Yeah. And that was one, of course, his uh, campaign uh, uh, slogans and, and conversation pieces that he's uh, continued into his first term. 
term as governor. One of the nice things about the cattle industry, uh, we are most certainly a mm-hmm. top 10 mm-hmm. type uh, enterprise and obviously at the top of the heap when it comes to Oklahoma agriculture, but really right there on a, on a national basis too. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And, and we're top 10 in terms of numbers. Let's continue to be top 10 in terms of the industry as a whole. And, and we don't want to relax on our laurels, if you will, in that sense. So let's, let's figure out how do we transfer these operations on a generational basis? How do we take advantage of the good assets that we have and continue to steward those? We're going to be top 10 in numbers because Oklahoma itself is just, is just, it's just ripe for cattle. We're a cattle state. There's no question about that. But how do we continue to build on the momentum that we have of, of continuing to be a top 10 beef industry state? Uh, that's what we're excited about, and I think we have opportunity to do that. Very good. Michael, thank you for your time. Thank you, Ron. Michael Kelsey joining us today, Executive Vice President of the Oklahoma Cattlemen's Association. We do uh, want to say thanks to PSO, Public Service of Oklahoma, our sponsor for us today here on the Road to Rural Prosperity. I'm Ron Hayes. We'll see you soon. Thanks for joining us for today's Road to Rural Prosperity podcast. You can join the conversation about how rural Oklahoma can prosper by looking for us on Facebook. And you can find our growing number of conversations on our website, ruralprosperityok.com. The Road to Rural Prosperity podcast series is a production of the Radio Oklahoma Ag Network and oklahomafarmreport.com proud to be a part of the family of the funk companies.